I'm Cass. I'm Kat. I'm Tiffany. And you're listening to Two Book Bitches. Yeah. So <laughs> welcome back to our listeners. We're here with um, Tiffany Bartolo, the author of Sorrow, her new book that not just came out, but quite October, recently. In October, I think. Pretty recently. Yeah. Which is pretty apt because of the, one of the characters' names, October. <laughs> um, but... For our listeners who don't know, not only are you a successful author, you also founded a indie record label, and you also established like a like a foundation as well. So you have many things going on, and we were wondering if you could tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and kind of like how you balance all your amazing projects that you have going on. Sure. Well, um, yes. So I, I was a full-time writer for um, about a decade, and, um, and then for some crazy reason, um, about 15 years ago, I decided to start an independent record label um, with my husband and a friend of ours who was a record producer. And um, yeah, that was a crazy idea because um, it was about just about the time that people stopped buying music, but um, I'm, I'm a very passionate music fan, and anyone who's read any of my books knows that I write a lot about music, music inspires pretty much everything I do, so it kind of made sense that I ended up getting into the music business. Um, mm-hmm. But it took over my life, and um, I ended up not writing for a, a decade because um, I was just so busy running this company, and I really had to work hard at trying to figure out um, how to balance um, the this other full-time job with writing and that took me quite a while to do um, but I think I've got it down now and yes yeah, somewhere in between starting the label and writing I started the charity foundation um, I think it was you know really coming from a place of just feeling like especially in America things were really going to shit can I can I swear on this oh my past please <laughs> um, we swear like sailors <laughs> okay good um, yeah, so so things were really going to shit. You know, our government was in in peril and still is at the moment. Um, and um, just wanted to really do something to feel like I was making a positive contribution to the world. And so um, we do a lot of work with human rights and women's rights and environmental stuff and um, education. Um, uh, so yeah, it's it's something that's really rewarding, but. I, I do not know how I balance it all, honestly. <laughs> um, the last year of kind of working from home has been such a gift to me. Actually, I have like weeks on end, and um, mm-hmm. I haven't been on an airplane since March. So there's there's some good positive things to uh, being uh, on lockdown. I will say. Yeah, suddenly more time for things, especially if you're able to work from home. Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy. That's so amazing, though, about the foundation. We'll put the links to everything in our episode description so people can check it out. But I just think it's it's so nice, especially if, like, p- people have the means to help. It's amazing that you started a whole foundation for that. So it's wonderful. Kudos to you guys. That's crazy. Um, so, yeah, so I guess we'll go to our, our next question. So um, we've heard a lot about Sorrow, and we just, both of us just finished yeah. reading it, um, or stayed up all night finishing it because we couldn't put it down. Um, and we loved it. It was a good book. Um, but uh, we wanted you to tell our listeners a bit about the book and what they can expect when they read it, if you could. Mm-hmm. 
Sure. Well, um, it was, you know, the book was inspired by a song by one of my favorite bands, The National. Um, mm. And it's a song called Pink Rabbits. And although they do have a song called Sorrow, which features prominently in the book, but that was not the impetus for the story. Um, they have this song called Pink Rabbits. And it's a song that I've listened to hundreds and hundreds of times. But one day I was out on a hike and it came on. And there was a line in it that really captured me. Um, there's a line where he says, um, somebody said you disappeared in a crowd. I didn't understand then. I don't understand now. And that line conjured up this whole scene for me of these two characters um, standing at the Greek theater in Berkeley um, watching a show and one of them walks away and doesn't come back. And um, that ended up being one of the first scenes that I wrote, even though it comes much later in the right. book. Um, and so that was sort of where Sorrow was born, but it kind of, um, you know, it really evolved into this story about art and love and friendship and how those things can really heal us and save us from ourselves. Um, and, and it was such a beautiful journey to take, um, you know, sort of standing in Joe's shoes and, and seeing the world through his eyes. Yeah. It was an emotionally shattering novel. I got to the end of it and I was like, <sighs> it's almost like a catharsis reading it. It was really nice. So that emotional aspect and the healing aspect definitely came across. Definitely cried multiple times. Yep. Throughout the week. <laughs> yep. Multiple but, uh, times. Yeah. You did? Can you tell oh. me where you cried? Okay. Or are those um, plot point spoilers? Well, if, if you're okay with it, we'll, we'll tell you. And um, if anything, we can always bleep out the spoilers. But Kat, where did you cry? <laughs> Um, I cried when um, <laughs> they were in the forest and they were doing mushrooms and he told her the story about Sam. Mm -hmm. I just thinking about it makes me want to cry now. Aww, <laughs> I love that. For, for me. Um, and then there was another part I cried it was closer to the end when he was just kind of having his realization with Cal about how he wanted to be a different type of person than the one he was. That's when I cried again too. <laughs> Same. I bawled when he That's told one of my the story about Sam. He goes to Montana. Mm-hmm. When Cal goes. Oh, really? Oh, that makes me, that warms my heart. So yeah. Hard. Even when Cal goes and, like, straight up punches him in the face, like, I was still <laughs> reading it through tears. <laughs> I thought it was a necessary. <laughs> I love it was that. A, yeah, it was a necessary <laughs> punch, though. It's okay. <laughs> it was deserved. For it sure. was. Yeah. It's one of those things that kind of like yeah, needed to happen and then yeah it's completely just a just a side question to that um there's a lot of um mention of trees in the book yes joe's like it's one of joe's passions the main character is that something you you're passionate about or was that involve a lot of research on your end um it it involved quite a bit of research, although I do live in Mill Valley where Joe lives and I hike mm. on those trails every day, but I did not know that much about the Redwoods until, um, until Joe, I realized that Joe loved the Redwoods so much. And then I learned so much more about them. And now I'm obsessed with them as well because they are really magical. Um, they're just magical things you know they 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 have like energy that feels almost like a consciousness it's really incredible 
um, to be around them. And it, it's kind of a funny story because um, I remember trying to figure out who Joe was for a while in, in the early stages of writing the book. And I was writing at Equator Coffee Shop, which also features prominently in the book. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was working there one day and really struggling with Joe. And a friend of mine showed up and he was just like raving about this book that he just read about redwood trees. And he was so excited about it um, that I was like, oh, I need to read this book. And he gave it to me. And um, as soon as I started reading it, I was just like, oh my God, Joe, this is like it. Like he, he's connected to these trees. And I just saw all these metaphors between the trees and his life. And it just like opened up this character for me in such a cool way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the trees were, and now I want to go to Redwood because apparently there are ginormous trees living out there somewhere. I just thought it was really cool. It was such a unique part of his yeah. personality. You got to come to Northern California once it's safe and I will take you and introduce you to all of Joe's favorite trees. Oh, please. <laughs> I've, been, I've been to California, but I've only been to the touristy spots. So I never really saw any of these beautiful trees. So excited for you to take me there. <laughs> yes. It was really, honestly, the book was like filled with like these wonderful metaphors. Like the tree was one of them and like the bird cage. Um, when he realized that like really the cage he was building was for himself I was like oh the realization mm -hmm. was just insane and he was like I just yeah. that was another one myself. that wasn't really planned yeah I mean it was it was that was an interesting um discovery for me too because again I discovered that when he discovered that and it just made so much sense mm -hmm. I really felt like when I was writing this book more than any other book that I've ever written I felt like there were all these magical um, things happening on the journey of discovering the story that um, really just amazed me as much as it amazed the characters. It was, mm -hmm. so, it was such a beautiful experience to write this book. Yeah. So is that not usually a writing process? Like usually do you have more like plot points and then this one you were just kind of like, I'm letting the characters take me where they go? Well, not necessarily in the sense I don't plot books, but normally I, for my, my first two novels, I had a pretty strong sense of how they began and how they were going to end. And then everything in the middle was up for grabs. And with this book, I really just sat down with an idea and a fact. Mm -hmm. it, it, it just, yeah, the way it unfolded just felt like magic. Well, it read like magic too. Oh, <laughs> yay. No, it was, it was honestly really good. I went into it. We have a really bad habit of spoiling books for ourselves. Um, it's like a thing on this podcast. Like it's Yeah, we always read the last page or something like that. Yeah. So it's always a treat when I think we get to read something that we know like nothing about. You go into it blind and you just kind of like follow the story like it was meant to be followed. So it was, it was really nice. I thoroughly enjoyed that. <laughs> And I liked the ending. I liked how oh, cool I'm glad that happened yeah. that way. It was great. Um, in terms of Joe, yeah. speaking of Joe, so it's from his point of view, um, and he is a man, which is interesting because I, I think that, like, I, I default to reading a lot of books from a woman's point of view. Mm -hmm. um, what are the challenges kind of in writing that male point of view while still keeping like the voice authentic but also keeping like that feminist perspective so it's still true to who you are as like a person um well, it was interesting because i originally started writing the book in october's point of view oh. and i ooh, soon as i yeah and as soon as i realized 
as soon as I understood Joe and really had a, a sense of his character, it was clear to me that if we weren't standing in his shoes and feeling what he was feeling, nobody was going to like him. No one was going to sympathize with him. If you, if you just mm -hmm. saw his behavior from the outside looking in, you would have thought he was a complete asshole. And, you mm -hmm. know, he odd human. And I wanted, I wanted to, to get his humanity on the page. And so that's why I switched point of views. And I did worry, like, can I, can I capture what it's like to stand in the shoes of, of a man? And I realized as I was writing, this is another thing that kind of like really felt meaningful to me as I was writing the book was I came to the conclusion that besides the obvious ways that men and women are really different, we don't actually want things that are that different you know we're so similar in so mm -hmm. many ways in the sense that people just want love and they want connection and it doesn't matter and so um so that was a cool discovery um and it was interesting to be joe you know he's very different from me in so many ways and so i feel like i really did learn a lot about how not to judge people mm -hmm. by their actions alone you know i see so many memes all the time about like you know if somebody doesn't show up for you the way you want kick them out of your life and mm -hmm. like whatever mm -hmm. you know don't chase somebody because they should be chasing you and i'm just like you do not know what goes into making a human mm -hmm. and what you throw your arms around them they don't need you to to challenge them to try and be better mm -hmm. that's so true I guess I like thinking back on it now if I would have read Joe from someone else's perspective I don't know if I would have liked him as much well from a girl's girl's perspective he kept abandoning her kept changing his right mind. I mean he would have just been, so, just would have pegged him as an asshole for sure yeah, yeah. would have wanted to like but reading from like his exactly. point of view you're right it gave him the really. same really intense well, like, and another thing that was really yeah you want to strangle him mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah and and i think that um i think that uh the other thing that i learned about being him was um that i realized at the end of the book how much other people liked him you know like he he sees himself as this kind of loser um, mm -hmm. This unlikable, unlovable loser, and you know, all of these really interesting and special people saw something in him, and and I thought that was really beautiful too. Yeah, that resonated with me a lot. I think imposter syndrome almost, like he felt like he wasn't good enough to do these things. Meanwhile, he's this like amazing musician, like this human being who's really complex. So it was nice to see those other characters like validate that for him. Cause I think we all have points in life where we're like, what am I doing? I'm not good enough to do this. Like that's a crazy dream. Like, so it was exactly. nice to see that. I like Joe. Joe's a cool guy. <laughs> he is. Yeah. He has a good the heart. Yeah. I would have, it would have been cool to read it from October's perspective too, though. I'm obsessed with her. Yes. Speaking of October, you know, we talk a lot about um, badass female characters on our podcast, um, you know, badass in every sense of the word, really. Um, so how do you go about writing a badass, well-rounded female character such as October? She is very cool. She's, She's amazing. amazing. Yeah. 
I know. She's so cool. I always joke, like, there's a specific gate on a trail that is, like, where I, I sort of fictionalized her backyard and her mm-hmm. gate. And anytime I walk by it with my dogs, I'm always like, there's October's house. I wish we could go visit her. Um, yeah, she, you know, I mean, I think as far as writing women characters, you know, I think that I... I love women, you know, and I think it makes it easy to create um, strong, interesting um, women characters when you appreciate women. You know, I have two sisters who uh, are two of my best friends. Um, so I grew up like feeling um, a real camaraderie with women. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of women who don't like other women and I'm not one of those women um and I think that that makes that makes for um better nuanced characters I don't judge my characters either and that um I think makes them more real and um but I also I also feel like when I'm writing characters I do I do not consciously but unconsciously write characters I would want to hang out with because yeah. <laughs> essentially I am hanging out with them all day long you know for eight hours a day I'm I'm with them in this computer and so um I have to I have to find the good in them no October is one of those like just really cool characters that honestly was a pleasure to like read about her because I think like she's not this perfect person but she is still like really freaking cool, really freaking kind, like, a cool human being, and still has a bunch of flaws, like any normal human, so it was really nice to read about her. Thank you for seeing her that way, I appreciate yeah. that. And I love that, like, you just kind of have to love women to write about them. Into that. We love women on this podcast. <laughs> What's not to love? We rule, the, we should be ruling the world, right? I literally, I literally say it all the time. There have been times on this podcast where I think we've talked about something that like a woman does and it will make me teary eyed. Like that's the kind of love I have for like other females. They're just great. Oh my God. So I, this might be like too far out for this podcast, but I feel like you might appreciate it. I don't know if you know what ayahuasca is, but it's a, it's a psychedelic plant medicine. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and one whole night of this, this medicine journey was just like learning about female energy and the, the divine feminine and like how there's this goddess within all of us and that we actually make the world because, um, you know, women, women give birth to everything. So, um, so I feel um, really connected to that in a, in a really strong way. I love that. Yeah, love that too. I think the the age of woman is coming, so I'm excited. <laughs> I for one yes. cannot wait. <laughs> Speaking of writing, we actually have a lot of listeners who reach out to us and express their desire to become authors. Like we've got a lot of budding authors um, in our emails all the time, which is amazing. What advice do you have for them in terms of like getting started and writing authentic characters? Um, well, I mean, I have, like, I say this all the time, but it's so simple. First of all, being a good writer means you have to be a good reader. So Mm -hmm. the more you read, the better you're going to write. Um, but I also think it's just a matter of doing it. 
you know, if you want to, whatever, if it's writing, if it's cooking, if it's, you know, being a, an investment banker, like you have to fucking do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and with writing is just like connecting to your voice, like really holding on to your voice, finding your, what you really want to say, and then sitting down, knowing the rules of grammar, you know, you've got to know actually how to write a sentence. Um, <laughs> and, and then just sitting down and doing the work. And that's, that's the hardest part. I know so many people who are like just brilliant, but they don't have any discipline. And so sometimes the people with less talent, but more discipline are actually going to, you know, advice to aspiring anything is always to just do it. Mm -hmm. That's like the hardest part of anything getting started. If you can get over that first like five minute hurdle, I feel like you're on your way. Yeah. And I think it's been really hard in the last year. I remember when we first went into shelter in place in March, I kept mm-hmm. thinking like, oh my God, I'm going to write a whole book while we're, <laughs> while we're in quarantine and I'm going to be, I'm going to draw and I'm going to paint. I'm going to be so creative. And I just feel like I haven't been able to do that. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like something has been kind of like, it's just been the, the world is just the energy right now is so crazy and just such emails in a day yeah the the jive of the world energy is a little off I think Kat and I had a lot of lofty uh goals for we always say yeah we're gonna do we're gonna paint we're gonna read all these books and then half the time you just spend staring at the news and it's just bad (laughs) news after bad news and then you waste away your day right yeah But hopefully it's just, we're on the upside. Hopefully. I don't know. I'm crossing my fingers. 2021 hopefully is better than 2020. (laughs) That would be more days for America. uh, And then we're going to start, we're going to start getting on the upswing. Yeah. Congrats, Congrats, America. America. You guys got this. (laughs) Oh my God. Thinking of you guys for the next eight days. Rough or yeah, yeah it's been a rough four years yeah here. we've been up here looking down and we we can see <laughs> yep I lived in the states for two years so I saw like a lot of my friends um just kind of go through it even more viscerally than I was just by like presence of being there so I'm glad that you know things are hopefully on the upswing for you guys <laughs> um I guess we can jump back to our discussion of women and how amazing there are <laughs> they are you know? um and just like in the male-dominated fields of publishing and music, how can women make a place for themselves? And in turn, how can they help lift women around them as well? Well, you know, what I will say that I, I feel like one place like women get an, a, a pretty good say is it, as authors, because women writers, um, you know, women are bit more reader, bigger readers than men. Um, so, um, I feel like writing is a really good, um, opportunity for women to kind of make their way, um, into what might appear like a a male dominated, um, business, but I've never found that. Um, Hmm. um, I, I see it so much more in the music business, Mm -hmm. um, where, um, you know, it's, it's very sort of. I don't know. There's, there's a lot of kind of um, misogyny that goes on in the music mm. business, but I've never encountered that in, um, in, in the writing business. So that's, that's one big plus I will say. Yeah. 
getting started in the music business, was it tricky considering it was just, you know, massively male dominated and it was a little bit of like, yes. Um, I mean, the biggest issue with getting started in the music business was like I said earlier, when we started the label, it was just about the time that people stopped buying music mm. um, and that, um, and that was a, a huge adjustment to try to figure out how to monetize music for artists because, yeah. um, you know, it's just, you know, Spotify pays 0.001 cents for musicians to make a living doing what they love now. Right. Uh, especially now when they're not touring. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I guess you, you probably know the, the answer better than we do, but I heard once that like, I was shocked when I found out that most musicians don't actually just make money off of their music. It's usually like touring that makes the money, not the actual creation and selling of their music, which I was like shocked at because that's the literal job, music, sell it. So it's crazy. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that was the the worst part about, you know, the the digital revolution is um, Mm -hmm. that, you know, music became free essentially Mm -hmm. and and the problem with making money touring is that you have to be to a certain level and be selling you know three to five thousand tickets a night to make any money on a tour so um it takes fans a long time to get to that point some just don't have they just can't afford to 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 go through all the years it takes to build that Mm -hmm. so it's it's been rough yeah um but speaking of when you're not busy writing or running your record label foundation all the wonderful things you're doing how do you practice self-care because I think that's a big thing for a lot of people this last year just learning how to take care of themselves a little more oh that's such a good question nature is my biggest self-care um and I feel so grateful in the last year that I don't live somewhere where I can't get out on trails mm. every day. Um, I, I hike or walk my dogs every day. I run on the trails. Um, it's definitely been my salvation and something that I do for myself every day just to feel grounded. Um, I also do a lot of yoga. Um, mm. I try to eat well. That's really important to me. You know, and living in Northern California, we, we are so lucky because we literally get food um you know that has been grown or raised within a 20 mile radius of our house and mm-hmm. um that really i feel like makes a difference on your health and well-being uh, and just i don't know just being around people i love and that's been really hard this year because mm-hmm. you know we don't get to see since february and um that's it's been really rough but um, yeah, yeah. Just really trying to be mindful of of you know health and well being is is a mm-hmm. really um, important part of my life for yeah. sure. That's been difficult, like up here. I think just because of the weather. And I mean, I'm sure there are some people out there who are like winter people and like love the snow, but I'm not one of them. So, like, I look outside now and I'm like, ooh, no, not doing it. <laughs> Yeah, weather definitely plays a factor in going outside here. <laughs> yeah, so it's a little more uh, stuck inside these days. But I love the yoga suggestion. We talked to um, another author, A.K. Wilder, Kim, and she said the same thing. She was like, yoga, <laughs> put it on YouTube and go at it. You're going to have to try it. Yoga <laughs> yeah. is 
Yeah, it's really helpful. I, I find yoga centers me so much. I used to do it so much more and then I got busy and then coronavirus hit and I feel like I like let go of all those things, which is weird. I should have picked it up again. <laughs> yeah, it's not too late. It's not too late. I know, I know. Maybe after this I'll go, I'll go try some. I guess we'll um, pick it up where we left off. Yes. Um, our final question for you was um, basically, what's up next for you? Are you in the, in the process of writing another novel or, you know, anything really? Uh, yes. Well, I haven't begun writing a new novel, but there is one marinating inside of me as we speak, <laughs> and mm -hmm. I'm hoping to start it next month. I'm going on this really crazy... Um, really crazy vision quest um, at, in the beginning of February, um, which is like this 11-day soul searching. It's like with a group of people and you do a bunch of like soul, um, soul work, basically. Uh -huh. And then you have to fast and um, live out in your own in the wilderness for four days and nights with no food. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> and I'm hoping that that is going to just like, really jumpstart my creativity and um I'm gonna come back with some great ideas about my next book <laughs> I mean how well, could you not after next. yeah how could okay. you not after an experience like that <laughs> yeah sounds like an exciting time yeah I don't know I don't know if I could do a 40 fast I'm like trying to think yeah. about it now and I'm like I'd be so cranky <laughs> angry all the time yeah I'd be angry all the time but that's amazing. Hope I'm sure you'll have a wonderful time. And I am definitely going. It's really going to be difficult for me. <laughs> yeah. It's supposed, to be, it's supposed to just like really like make go deep. So we'll see. Challenge you as like a person. Yeah. And I've got, um, I've got a lot of musicians that I work with who are putting out music this year that um, I'm really excited about. So um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of good to come, hopefully. We're excited to see this new novel, whatever, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, we loved uh, Sorrow so much. Yeah. I love, I just want, I was telling Cass how much I, I just like, love your, so your writing style. It's, yes. The book was so beautifully written. So we're definitely very excited to see what you come out with next. Yeah. You could definitely see like the influence of music just in like the writing style. Like it was oh, genuinely really nice to so read. Much. That means so much to me, honestly. Um, for our listeners, we will post all the links um, in the episode description so they can check out your website, your foundation, um, your record label, and check out all the musicians that you so wonderfully support. And then we really hope that you guys listening go pick up Sorrow. Honestly, it's a, just like a wonderfully emotional book. And I really enjoyed reading it, evidently, because we both stayed up till 5 a.m. to finish it. So. Yep. Yay. And thank you guys so much for having me. It's so, so fun to talk to you. Thank you so much for jumping on with us. We appreciate yeah. it. Um, in these crazy times, anyone can take, you know, to take time out of your day to chat with us and um, give some advice to our listeners who want to write. It was wonderful talking with you. I would say that's one of the best things to come out throughout thank the you pandemic. So you really get to connect with people all over the world which is in like a very you know yes we didn't really use this before no so yeah definitely lots led to some amazing opportunities to meet people all over the place yeah I'm thankful that the book found you and that you found me
yeah, it was, it was a great experience. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, so before we go, we usually do our little outro, which is just, um, thanks for listening to two book bitches. So if you could do the outro for us, we would really love that whenever you're ready. Thank you so much for listening to these two amazing women on two book bitches. Bye.